It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can also now call in the show. You can call 405-362-7128 to leave a voicemail for the show that will be played on the air. So if you have any thoughts about Game 5, especially the egregious ejection, which we'll talk about pretty soon, you can leave them there. Again, that's 405 405- 362-7128. So, obviously, the basketball returned on Saturday with the Thunder taking on the Rockets in Game 5 of this series. Russell Westbrook was back in this one on a minutes restriction. Uh, he was going to play about 25 to 28 minutes, obviously, in this game. It got out of hand, so that did not matter at all. Russell Westbrook started in place of Daniel House, who had been killing Oklahoma City all series long. And again, it didn't matter. Oklahoma, uh, Houston stayed on, on a roll offensively later on in that game uh, and, and eventually won this game by a wide, wide margin. Important to know, the winner of Game 5 in a 2-2 series wins that series 82% of the time. So the math is on the side of Houston. And we can go either way on this show. We can take it negatively after Game 5, or we can look at things positively. Once again... The Oklahoma City Thunder are in a glass half full or a glass half empty situation. So I think that the best route to take is just both of those things as we as we cross those bridges. We start with what I think is the biggest story of this game. You can talk about the ejections. You can talk about the officiating. You can talk about all of that. But for me, the biggest thing in this game and the biggest thing in the postseason, I've always said, since taking over this show, I've said it my whole life, everyone has said it. This is not a, a newfound idea. In the postseason, your stars have to play like stars. Your scorers have to score. Your best players have to play more. They have to play more, and they have to play better. In this game, two of your best players, Delino Gallinari and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, combined for five points. In this game, two of your best scorers, your leading scorer, your best three-point shooter, Two of your best scores had five points in a playoff game combined. Shea played 34 minutes, got four points. Gallo played 22 minutes, got one point on a technical free throw. 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 3 from beyond the arc for Gallo. Chris Paul doesn't crack 20 points. No one on this roster cracked 20 points, although Dennis Schroeder was at 19. We can imagine, had he not been ejected, he gets 20 points in this one. And again... Uh, this game was a blowout, so in the fourth quarter, Chris Paul hardly played, and he was at 16. Still, no one gets to 20 points in this game. 
your offense look like game one. And you can take this one of two ways. Once again in this playoff series, after snapping out of it after the first two games, Shea looked shell-shocked. And the most frustrating part about that has nothing to do with the future. I need to say this because for some reason people love to, to try to twist what, what you say about Shea. Shea is this, is this team's future. Shea is at worst the second best team, the, the second best player the next time you try to win a championship. The next time this team legitimately tries to win a championship, Shea is at worst your second best player, at worst. The future of Shea is incredibly bright. The future of Shea is a top 15 player in the NBA. But put all of that aside right now. That does not matter in this moment. In this playoff series, that does not really matter. Once again in this playoff series, Shea looks shell-shocked. Shea looks like he's lost. He looks like he's, he's never seen a switch before, and this game looked like game one from an offensive standpoint. This team looked like they did in game one from an offensive standpoint. And Dennis tried his best to will you to a victory, of course, the refs kicked him out of the game, but, that, but at that point, they were already down 20 points, which they've come back from before, but that's not the point. In this game, it can be summed up by that. Gallo and Shea combined for five points. That's your game summary. Anytime in the postseason that, you're, that, that your two best scores, uh, you know, your, your, your top players can only get you five points, you're not going to win. I don't care who you play. You're not going to win. And it's concerning a little bit that Shea went into Oracle Arena last year, played a really good playoff series, but this year can't handle what the Rockets are throwing at him. And it's a unique defense. It's a unique situation. But Mike D'Antoni can say whatever he wants to. They're just playing a zone. They're switching everything. They're playing a zone. And Shea is having a hard time beating it. Now, Shea has also had some really good games in this series. He's just been inconsistent. So here comes the positive side of things. Do you really think, just by the law of averages, that Gallo and Shea in game six will combine for five points? Do you really think that in game six, Gallo will not make a, not make a field goal? Do you really think that in game six, in 30 minutes, Shea will not score more than four points? That simply has to be better. As well as, do you really think that Dennis gets tossed again in Game 6? I, I think that he plays a full game in Game 6. So there are some things here that are encouraging. But I will say, it's tough to put yourself in a situation where, yet again, you have to win two straight games. If any team can do it, it's a team with a track record of coming back. I understand that. But it's still a tough place to be in when you've got to win Two straight games. There's a reason why over 80% of the time in a 2-2 series, the team that wins game five wins the series because it's so hard to beat a team two times in a row. It's just it's incredibly hard. And you've already done it once. Can you do it twice? I, I don't know. But Shea and Gallo have to be better. They just have to be. And this game on offense started, and it was a disaster. Dort starts 0 for 7 in this game, so, so just wasted seven possessions. Just wasted them. And I understand that Dort was open. But an open shot that you know is not going to go in, that everyone in the gym knows is not going to go in, is not a good possession. 
I would rather Chris Paul fight for it for a look. Shea, fight for a look. Gallo, fight for a look. Then a wide open Dort 3 in this game. This game was undoubtedly a terrible offensive game from Lou Dort. Here comes the positive, though. As I've said since May, when I took over this podcast, Lou Dort is unlike any other defensive wing that Sam Presti has ever found. Lou Dort can dribble. Lou Dort can drive. Lou Dort can pass. Lou Dort can shoot the lights out of the gym at the free throw line, which typically for a young player translates eventually to the three-point line, from the free throw line to the three-point line. Now, he put none of those offensive skills on display in this game. I understand that. He's also a two-way rookie for this season who just got converted to a full contract right before they left for Orlando. He's going to have a bad postseason game offensively. He still did his job defensively, which is encouraging. Again, you want to look at the future of these guys. Dort did not allow bad offense to turn into bad defense, which is huge for a young player. He did not allow his struggles on one side of the floor to turn into hurting him on the other, which you saw Shea do tonight. You, you see young players do it all the time. That was not the case for Dort. That was not the case for Dort. So you should take away from this game, even while Dort had an atrocious game offensively, you should still take away positives from Lou Dort's game. And outside of the defense, if I could give one ability to Shea, it would be Lou Dort's confidence and aggressiveness. I understand that Shea, his play style is, con- is conducive to being relaxed, letting the game come to him, kind of being a facilitator out there, being smooth to the rim. But at times, you need Shea to be aggressive. And you've seen spurts of aggressive Shea. You saw it in that fourth quarter against Denver. You've seen it in the in this playoff series. You've seen bursts of Shea being aggressive, and it turns out beautifully for the Oklahoma City Thunder. If he had Lou Dort's confidence and aggressiveness, that unlocks so much for Shea's game, and that comes with time. He's a second-year player. Doc Rivers trusted him to be a point guard against the Warriors in a playoff series last year as a rookie. Billy Donovan has trusted Shea. He's the leading scorer for the fifth place team in the West. Could have been the fourth place team in the West in Oklahoma City this year. A lot gets put on him, but you have to remember he's still a second year guy. There is still so much Shea can do and improve on, which should encourage you. Shea is at worst going to be your number two guy when you compete again, that should make you feel so, so good about the future and these 15 future first-round picks and Lou Dort. And we'll even talk about Darius Baisley coming up. If you want to take positives away, so far we have. Gallo is not going to score one point again. Shea simply has to be better. Again, the law of averages tell you that Gallo, who had two games all season that he scores less than double digits, is not going to score one point again is not going to score one point again this series. And Shea, who's been your leading scorer all series, and all season, I mean, I should should say, all season he's been your leading scorer, he's not going to score you four points again next game. So by those two things turning around and us believing Dennis will not get tossed again and ejected from a game again, and that turning around, that starts to shift the momentum a little bit. And we'll continue to talk about this game coming up, including... Dennis Schroeder being just electric in this game. He needs an entire segment 
all to himself. That's coming up on the other side. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can call into the show. 405-362-7128. Once again, your number to call, 405-362-7128. Leave a voicemail and you'll get it played on the show. You can leave questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, takes, whatever you feel about Game 5, whatever you feel heading into Game 6, whatever you feel the future of this team should be, leave it all there, 405-362-7128. I want to talk about Dennis Schroeder, who has just been incredible since game three, he got his legs back after missing most of the seeding games for the birth of his child, and he was electric in this game. Absolutely incredible. While Dort missed eight shots before anyone else took more than four shots total, Dennis comes into this game and leads you all the way back. You were down 13, Dennis leads you back, and Dennis was incredible. 17 points in the first 12 minutes of his action. He had 17 of the Thunder's first 39 points. Dennis was amazing in this contest. Dennis was the reason you were where you were at. Dennis was the reason why you had a lead at one point. Dennis was the reason why this team was competitive heading into halftime. Dennis was the reason why. He proved once again he's the sixth man of the year. He proved once again how valuable he is. If Dennis does not win sixth man of the year, that would be one of the biggest travesties in the NBA. Because he put it fully on display right here. Understanding that the postseason has no bearing on the the voting process. That's all been taken care of right now. We, they've already voted on the awards. But he put on display what he's been doing all season long. And that's keeping the Thunder in this game. They were once down 13 points. Dennis comes in, ties it up, and takes the lead. 17 points in 12 minutes for Dennis Schroeder. 17-12. When the team can only score in total, 39 points. Without Dennis in that first half, it was a totally different game. Oklahoma City came out in the the second half and got just punched in the mouth. They go down 20 points, and then Dennis gets tossed. And I want to talk about that ejection. It's hard. It's hard for small market teams to look at that ejection and not feel dejected. Fan bases of small market teams. Because I, I'm sure Rockets fans have a different opinion of this. But for once, I agree with Michael Cage. Uh, that's a basketball play. You're running. You're fighting through a screen. He did not purposefully punch P.J. Tucker in the groin. What was on purpose, without a shadow of a doubt, 
was P.J. Tucker after the play coming up behind Dennis, whispering and yelling in Dennis's ear, and then headbutting Dennis Schroeder. That was the only thing that, without a shadow of a doubt, was intentional. And in the postseason, you cannot, you cannot eject anybody, much less a team's one of the team's best players in Dennis Schroeder. You cannot eject, eject anyone if it's even questionable. If it's even a questionable call that cannot get you ejected, you saw it with Dallas against L.A. Dallas and L.A., Kristaps Porzingis gets ejected for no reason. If he played for L.A., if, if, if Kristaps Porzingis played for L.A., he would have not have been ejected in that game. He just wouldn't have. If Dennis played for L.A. in this game, he would not have been ejected. He just wouldn't have. You cannot tell me with a straight face, and if you're not in Houston, you especially cannot tell me that Dennis Schroeder intentionally punched P.J. Tucker in the groin. You just, I just won't believe it. And if Dennis played for a big market team, I don't think he gets ejected there. I just don't. There's no way to prove it, but that is your immediate thought as a small market team. How can you eject Dennis Schroeder for something that is very questionable? At best, you can say maybe. You can't say it's likely. You can't say it's definite. You can't say At best, it was maybe that's intentional. Maybe. Maybe in the postseason cannot be enough to get the sixth man of the year ejected. It cannot be enough to get the Thunder's only offensive source in this game ejected. It just can't be. If that's how we're going to officiate small market teams, just take them out of the league. Take Oklahoma City out. Take Memphis out. Take New Orleans out. And let's have a super league. Let's have all of the best players instead instead of expanding, instead of, uh, you know, instead of saturating the rosters, let's just shrink in the league and have a super team on every single location at every single big market, and let's have some fun. I try my best to stay away from conversations like this because there's no good way to have it. But when you eject Dennis Schroeder in this game, it's hard not to get that feeling as a small market team fan. That's a tough call. That's a tough thing to do. And to me, Billy Donovan should have gotten ejected right there. He should have stood up for his guys. He should have been irate because Chris Paul's a coach on the floor. That game was lost at that point. You're down over 20 points. The only thing that can happen from you getting ejected, you're not going to lose your team your game. What you, what you can do, though, is try to energize them, and maybe they can go on a quick run at the end of that third quarter and the fourth quarter. Not too big of a deal, but Billy Donovan should have gotten ejected in that game. He should have stuck up for Dennis Schroeder. He should have gone irate, and maybe you get some inspiration. Maybe you get some, some energy from your guys. But to toss Dennis Schroeder, I would I totally understand if you're sitting at home right now and you're a Thunder fan and you have this feeling uh, that that about small market teams and then not getting respected. Now, do I think that there's truly a bias and that, and that the, this league is rigged and things like that? No. But it's plays like that that make you feel that way. It's judgment calls like that that seemingly always go against a small market team that make you feel that way. Dennis being tossed there is incredibly stupid. I don't care about the technicalities in KP's case. I don't care about the technicalities here that it's not necessarily intent. I don't care about any of that. In the postseason, that should not get you tossed. I don't think PJ Tucker should I don't think that PJ Tucker should have got tossed either. But his was without a shadow of a doubt intentional. He intended on doing a hostile act right there to Dennis Schroeder. He intended on doing that. You cannot definitively say that about Dennis. You just can't. Atrocious. 
atrocious by the NBA officials. The Thunder have now lost six consecutive games in which Capers crew officiates them. Not a big deal. There's circumstances around all those losses, but still disheartening. Just like Dennis being tossed is disheartening. Again, is the NBA rigged? I don't think so. If the NBA was rigged, I wouldn't care about the NBA. I wouldn't host a daily podcast that extends into some weekends as we are right now. This is the sixth, sixth show of the week. I've had to record a show every single day this week as a Thunder play on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. I wouldn't be doing this if I thought the NBA was rigged and, and it was all set up. But I will give a voice to the fans that do whenever plays like that happen. Because it's hard to still believe that when your best offensive player in this game, one of your best offensive players in this series, when your sixth man of the year gets ejected for no reason. There was no angle in which I definitively said, yep, he tried to, he tried to punch P.J. Tucker in the groin. It's calls like that that just make you shake your head and wonder what we're even doing here. Wonder why Oklahoma City even has a team if they're not going to get that sort of respect within their own league. Again, the league's not rigged. Nothing like that. But I just wanted to talk about how some fans are feeling right now and say, I understand. I understand how hard it is to look at that and be anything but, but, but fuming mad about it. Be anything but discouraged by it. I mean, Dennis gets tossed in the third quarter. Dort and Shea had four fouls in that third quarter. And, and you just had nowhere to go. You had no hope. You had nothing. From, from, the, from the start of the third quarter on, you had nothing to play for. No hope. Just moving on to game six. Coming up next, we'll talk about what the Thunder can take into game six and if this series can be saved once again. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome back to the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Is that R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. I want to start this segment by talking about Chris Paul. Chris Paul in this game, you know, was good. There, there was a few nitpicking things you can talk about Chris Paul with. So in, the, in this game, he goes for 30 minutes, gets 16 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, only takes 13 shots. I understand that Chris Paul is one of the best point guards of our generation, one of the best facilitators of our generation, one of the best passers of our generation. But when Gallo and Shea combine for 5 points, I would have liked to see Chris Paul take over a game more and get out of his element more and try to be 
that guy that wills you to a win. I will say, most of this game felt like a blowout to where it didn't matter. So I, I'm not going to criticize Chris Paul's game. He did his job. His teammates didn't. Simple as that. Chris Paul did his job. His teammates did not. Chris Paul found the open guys. He got guys open looks. He did a fantastic job passing. He scored whenever he had the chance. His teammates did not help him out. I do want to talk about Chris Paul, though, and just give him more praise because he's the reason why we have a bubble to start with. He's the reason why we have a season right now. Entering the bubble, this only happened because of Chris Paul. He had to labor to get the Disney World campus up and running. Then, in the middle of the Disney World campus, where you already have extenuating circumstances and you're isolated, you miss your family just like anyone else, you're also the president of the, of the Players Association and have to deal with boycotts and have to figure out, okay, we boycotted, we're standing together, what, ha- what happens next? And that all falls on you. And when LeBron James storms out of that meeting because there was no plan, LeBron, that meeting, that's where you make the plan at. That's exactly what Chris Paul did. So he has LeBron James storming out of meetings. He has LeBron James pissed off because he wasn't he wasn't included in how to make the list for what's acceptable on the jersey. So he's not going to wear anything on his jersey. He has to deal with that. He has to deal with getting a campus set up. He has to deal with the boycotts and figuring out how do we as a league make make true, impactful change. He does that. He gets the owners to to start a coalition. He gets guys registered to vote. He gets guys in communication with law officials and politicians. He does everything for this league off the floor from March until right now and even longer than that. But just looking at at this stretch of time here from March until right now, he's done everything for this league while still playing basketball. I mean, Paul George is talking uh, about how difficult this bubble is and, and, and saying that's why he is performing poorly in the postseason. And Paul George has way less on his plate than Chris Paul. And I don't say that to make fun of Paul George. I say that as, look, the bubble in itself is hard on every single player. It is hard on all of them. It's even harder on Chris Paul. And he hasn't complained about it. He hasn't talked about how difficult that is. He's been looking forward to the next challenge and the next thing to help the league and on the floor help the Thunder. Chris Paul has been so impactful on this league and on this organization that he deserves some recognition. And you go back to his days with the Oklahoma City Hornets as a rookie and what all he said about this city, how, how, how gracious he was for this city, how much he's helped Langston University, how much he's done in this community going back to his rookie year to have it come full circle, and he's here this year. He doesn't complain about being in a small market again. He doesn't complain uh, about a team that at the start of the year looked like they were going to tank. He doesn't complain about a team that has no real NBA Finals aspirations. He puts his head down. He plays. He grinds. He's helpful with the young guys. He doesn't have to take Darius Baisley under his wing. He doesn't have to take Shea under his wing. He doesn't have to coach Lou Dort on the floor every single chance he gets. He doesn't have to do all that, but he does it anyway. He doesn't have to get Darius Baisley registered to vote. Chris Paul has been all you can ask for in an athlete, and more, way more than that. And I I still remember what all he did for for the community here when he first came to the Hornets and how much he praised this community. And you've got to remember, 
when the Oklahoma City Hornets were here, Oklahoma City looked a lot different. He found ways to, pra- to praise Oklahoma City and the lifestyle in Oklahoma City. Fast forward, and he's here again now, and he sees the growth we've had, and he's, and he's continued to praise it. And again, what he's done to help Langston and this community and this state, hats off to Chris Paul. And it's only been one season, but he's made an impact on this franchise that's worth remembering forever. I don't think he can retire his jersey after one season, but if there's ever a guy that can have the conversation about should you retire his jersey after playing one season somewhere, it's Chris Paul. It's about what he's had to deal with in this one season. It's about what he's had to deal with in Oklahoma City. And in his rookie year, he won rookie of the year here in Oklahoma City. Different franchise, of course, with the, with the Hornets. It's about what he's had to deal with. Chris Paul in Oklahoma City deserves a ton, a ton, a ton of credit. So we move on to the three big things in this game. Number one big thing, what I've talked about all podcast long, Gallinari and Shea. Five points combined. That can't happen in game six. The second big thing in this game to me, is Dennis getting ejected. That's your spark plug. That's who helps you come back from down 13. He didn't even have a chance to help you come back from down 20. And in the NBA, the difference in 13 points and 20 points is not that big. With the amount of possessions you get, with the pressure you can put on teams, it's not that big. Is it likely the Thunder would have come back again? Probably not. But they didn't even have the chance. That's number two big thing. Number three is that the pressure, to me, is still on Houston. It's still in Houston. You look at game six, and we're going to preview that in full on Monday. You look at game six. To me, the Thunder have nothing to lose. They can play however they want to. Now, it could mean that this emotional roller coaster of the bubble has worn on them, and they're ready to go home. They pack it in. They have nothing to play for, and they're going to go home early. It also could mean they're going to fight their butts off in game six. And if they win game six then the pressure is fully, totally, and only on Houston in Game 7. Because as we talked about in the previews, this matchup, Oklahoma City versus Houston, is like college football when Houston played Oklahoma a couple of years ago and upset Oklahoma. That matchup right there provides nothing for Oklahoma in that case. If the Sooners would have beaten the Cougars in in, in Week 1 of that season, the Sooners get absolutely no credit. They get no trophy. They get no praise. They get nothing for beating Houston. OU lost that game and got all of the backlash for it. This series, if Oklahoma City wins it, they get praised, touted, and held up on a pedestal. If they lose this series, Oklahoma City, they get a pat on the back, good job, you you overachieved, you did everything that we could imagine, and then some, and now we move forward to our very bright future. If Houston wins this series, they get nothing. They don't get recognition, they don't get praise, they don't get anything. If they lose this series, they have a lot of questions. Do you fire Mike D'Antoni? Do you, do you renew his contract? Do you try to break up Russell Westbrook and, and, Chris, and uh, James Harden? Is that even feasible to break up Harden and Westbrook? How can, you, how can you build a team around those huge contracts? So my number three big thing from this game is that even with this blowout win, all of the pressure is on Houston in game six because put the thunder away in on Monday put the thunder away Monday because game seven anything can happen in game seven 
anything can happen. So the pressure is on Houston to win game six. Those are your three big things from this game. Your MVP of this game, to me, it's hard to pick one, obviously, but Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder's the only reason, the only reason you were in this game. The only reason he came back, the only reason he had a chance was Dennis. If Dennis does not have the game he had at halftime, it's a blowout, and it's, it's over at halftime. You at least had a chance in that second half, thanks to Dennis. Now, you got punched in the mouth and you went down 20 early in that, in that third quarter. That's not the point. Dennis was the reason you were in that. He had 19 points in this game on 46% from the field. He goes 3 for 8 from beyond the arc, 37%. He gets uh, a rebound and assist as well as a block and a steal. Dennis was incredible in this contest. He just was. In 20 minutes, he was great. I wish he could have played more, but that was beyond his control. I bet Houston minus five, that obviously comes through. And the Thunder Moneyball outcome, I bet Shea obviously doesn't come true. He makes zero three-pointers. The actual winner it was if you had Dennis Schroeder. Once again, if you want to call in for Monday's show or any show moving forward, your number to call, 405-362-7128. Leave your takes, leave your questions, leave your thoughts, leave your questions, concerns, comments about the show, anything you want to. Leave anything, absolutely anything at 405-362-7128. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On Monday, we will preview game number six between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets. What could be the final meaningful basketball game for a couple of years in Oklahoma City. We just don't know that yet. On Tuesday, we'll recap that game, and obviously the rest of the week is to be determined. But one thing that's for certain is that this show will happen every single day, Monday through Friday. The only Thunder podcast that happens every single day. So tune in, subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcasts, leave a five-star iTunes review, and follow me on Twitter and call into the show again, 405-362-7128. Be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.